Ringer Films and HBO's DMX Don't Try to Understand is the next installment of the Music Box series premiering this Thursday, November 25th at 8 p.m. The film focuses on a year in the life of rapper Earl DMX Simmons as he's released from prison in early 2019 and attempts to rebuild his career in the music industry and reconnect with family and fans. DMX Don't Try to Understand bears witness to a man searching for reinvention and redemption, striving to stay true to himself while reestablishing his roles as a father, an artist, and an icon. Watch or stream DMX Don't Try to Understand on HBO or HBO Max, Thursday, 8 p.m. What's up, everybody? We back. R2C2, another week. Holiday week. Yeah, that means we release on Thursday so that people can enjoy this as they're traveling for Thanksgiving. Too much going on Thursday morning for, for them to have to worry about a new episode of R2C2. So why not give it to them Wednesday yeah. so that they can fully enjoy it before the holiday? It's like the the appetizer to their entree. No doubt. No doubt. Uh, see, real quick, before we get to Yankee manager Aaron Boone, who we're so pumped to talk about, so many things obviously uh, on the table this offseason. The Yankees coming off a disappointing year. We've been wanting to talk to Booney. He's just, he he's a fantastic guest. He's a fantastic guest. Um, and he's really honest. I think people are going to enjoy the insight he gives into making the lineup, into the way he is in the room for people who think he's always docile um, and for uh, targets this offseason for the Yankees. But see, all right, Thanksgiving, what's going on in the Sabathia household? Are we getting back some of the crew? What's happening? Like, nah, does COVID keep, mess things up a little? No, nah, we're keeping it light. It's just uh, it's just us here. Okay. Um, just the immediate family. My mom's here. She's cooking Thanksgiving. Um, so we're keeping it small, man. I think we're just going to chill, watch the football games, the Raiders play the Cowboys, expecting a big-ass whooping on that day. So, you know, I don't, I don't plan on coming out of my house. <laughs> that's gonna be nice though what's what what's you guys the, got going on uh, so we're gonna it's my parents house uh we're gonna have um a couple my cousin and uh aunt and uncle uh not our full you know pre-covid blowout but um but bigger than last year uh and really looking forward to it because you know we've been deprived of this family time for so long now um for sure yeah and and i just I'm ready for the stuffing, man. I can't. What you call dressing, right? Dressing, yeah. My mom's yeah. making it today, to be honest. But it's your aunt's recipe? It's my aunt's recipe, yeah. So they're yeah. on FaceTime. Aunt, she Auntie cooks Flo? it. Glow. Yeah. Glow. Yeah. Glow. Same. Yeah. yeah. So it's that time. Kitchen shut down. If you want anything to eat in this house now, you got to eat cereal for the next two days until Thanksgiving dinner. <laughs> Everything's being cooked. Everything's being cooked. Being prepared. Uh, well, <laughs> We, we certainly wish all of you a very happy Thanksgiving, uh, and we figure what better treat than to hear in-depth from the Yankee manager, Aaron Boone, on R2C2. Well, see, we get back um, one of our favorite guests on R2C2. Man, this might be our only, our only ever four-timer, I think. Yeah, this is the only time we get a four-timer yeah. for sure. Yeah, I think that's it. Aaron, I mean, come on, man. You're our first four-time guest. <laughs> wow, that's uh, that's pretty impressive. But it doesn't feel like that. So uh, always good to come on with you guys. You must be uh, 
must be searching for some guests here in the winter if you're dragging. <laughs> no, no, no. We've been wanting to do this for a while, um, and we appreciate you coming on and and uh, chopping it up with us as as we get closer into you know more of the action of the off season. First and foremost, I you know we we know you're struggling today, so we appreciate you, you battling through injury <laughs> to be with us after handing out all those turkeys. Man, uh, I, I, yeah, last night I, my back locked up on me. So this morning I'm, I'm in here getting it worked on and limp down to my, uh, desk and, and I'm on with you guys, but I'll, I'll, I'll be fine. I'll grind through. <laughs> <laughs> it's probably the golf too. That's why that's what, that's what messed you up. I think add it all up. Uh, I played golf, which I haven't done a lot and doing that five days in a row. Um, and then coming back and doing different things. Yeah. Like, 48 caught up to me uh this week (laughs) you know what's funny too do you like remember when you're a kid and you see like an adult with a hurt back and you're wondering why why is it so restrictive like why and then and then you experience a locked up back and you're like oh my gosh like you can't do anything it is so debilitating it it is and i you know what i was thinking as the day was unfolding yesterday I'm, i'm getting into these weird positions or whatever i'm like Ugh, this might uh, it started up on me and then when i got home last night <laughs> my kids are helping me up off the couch i'm just like <laughs> oh gosh but what i slept do do? i was what? able to get well i slept i'm all right all right but you got a world-class performance team with you there so i'm wondering now maybe they're not all there right now but what's what's the move because i'm sure we have people with back trouble that want to know what's a what's a key when you have a good performance team around you how do we get you back to health I came in and did a bunch of exercises that were a little more, uh, a little more difficult than I expected. I was expecting <laughs> feel good stuff getting worked on today, but it was a little more proactive. Like he was making me activate different muscles and stuff, but, um, I'm actually going to try and get in the gym after this and see what I can pull off. And then he sent me home with some, some good, uh, some good vitamins. Oh yeah, there you go. Okay. That's the so, most important thing right there. Little, little muscle relaxer before bed will, will help. You know what's crazy is that, like, my, the first year, this is the second year I retired, but in 2020, like, anything that would happen, I would always call Stevie a shot. If I got, like, a runny nose, anything <laughs> happened, anything happened with the family, I'm immediately calling the stadium, like, coming down here. Stevie was coming to my house all the time, like, playing baseball for so long, you don't have any doctors. Like, the no. trainer, the training staff, everything happens at the stadium, so... That first year, everything that was happening, I was just calling Stevie and Shuck, like emergency oh, yeah. room. <laughs> yeah, and it'll continue too. Anything that goes on with your kids, whatever. Yeah, let me run it by Shuck. And, and we'll do what we need to do. We'll see how the blister uh, from hitting. Uh, Stevie came over and fixed it for him. <laughs> <laughs> it's that on-demand medical service that you get from being right. in the big leagues that long. That is fantastic. Aaron, what for you, when, when you're in the off-season – What's kind of the the balance for you of your daily engagement with your guys, you know, building out a staff, building out your roster, free agency, trades, whatever. And then also you have four kids, you know, being a dad in the off season and 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 trying to to balance that. What do your days look like this time of year? Yeah, so I I usually come into the park um at least a couple days a week, sometimes more. Um you know, the you know, the part of October and the early part of November were kind of spent, we were doing a boatload of like interviews, whether it was in-person interviews or zoom interviews, because this year 
we had to fill out more staff than normal. So that took on uh, a focal point here at work. Now that we're kind of getting that part dialed in, when I come in here, it's more just, um, you know, I'll pop into the front office, see what they're talking about as far as different moves, transactions at different trades they're looking at, things like that. Um, I connect with people that are in, you know, we got Jamison Tyone that's been coming in every day. Um, you know, training staff here, Rob and Louie are here. So there's things to do. And then, you know, just keeping in contact with players and stuff as far as text message, as far as being at home, um, you know, kids and their sports, you know, my two boys are, are playing high school football. So that's actually been a lot of fun to, to go to those games and, you know, Friday night lights and Saturday games. Bella's playing soccer. Um, I got a college guy now that's playing soccer. So I got a couple of those games. So trying to just strike that balance of, of, of making up for some family time that you lose out on during the season when you get really busy. But um, yeah, just trying to strike that balance here in the off season. See, how did you, cause you also have four kids and you know, I know that like one of the things you've loved in retirement is being the full-time baseball dad. What, what kind of, cause you know, I'm a new parent. So I think about these things now cause I have a crazy travel schedule, you know, similar to what you guys experience as far as the travel goes, your actual jobs, I'd say are more demanding, but the travel's similar, <laughs> travel's what, <laughs> the travel's similar. What see what would what kind of conversations would you have with the kids as you were, you know, maybe towards the later stages of your career and you're playing, they have things going on. They're maybe a little more conscious of you not being at things, but they also maybe are somewhat understanding too of why you're not. What were those convos like? Yeah, you know, my kids had been grown up in baseball, like they grew up in baseball. So the, all they ever known was me not being there. So it wasn't, you know, it wasn't any it wasn't any like weird convos. Like they just knew like from February to most of October, I'm going to be gone. You know what I mean? Yeah. So anything, anything in between that, dad's probably not going to be there. So, you know, now it's a lot more fun. You know, my kids, you know, uh, Cy is a big dancer. Karsten's, you know, baseball player. Jaden plays basketball. So Cy is excited for me to go to her dance competition at Disney and, you know, all these different things. Yeah. Now I get to have these conversations with her where before she wouldn't even talk to me about it because she knew I wasn't going to be there. You know what I'm saying? So being able to to be there now, you know, every day and not miss anything, um, you know, f- helps me feel like I kind of making up for, you know, the 19 years or the 18 years I wasn't there for Little C, you know? How about for you, Aaron? Yeah, I mean, you hate missing out on some of the things that, that C's fine and he gets to be a part of now. That's where in, in, in this time of year, in the fall and in the winter, anytime I can, you know, get to a game, Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's, it's meaningful. It means a lot, you know, hopefully to them, hopefully they like having me there and around, whatever. <laughs> but I, I've loved it. I love getting to go to their games whenever I can. Um, you know, we'll take some trips and I was just telling you guys before, you know, a couple of my boys will be in on going down to a Eagles or a Sixers game that will kind of mm-hmm. parlay a weekend into. Um, but those are the things that, you know, build those bonds that you have with your kids and that, that are important things to, to do together. And, and this time of year, even though, you know, I'm still fairly busy, um, but it's a lot more, I I can make my own schedule. Um, It's important because of the grind of the season that uh, I I do get some quality time with them. 
I, I will say that, like, when I was playing or, you know, when you when it's the off season, you put more emphasis on being at everything. Like, you don't want to miss anything. Like, when you have the time, whether it was Little C or Cy or whatever, like, I'm going to everything. I'm at everything. Now that I can go to everything, yeah. I, pick and, I pick and choose what I want to go to. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. <laughs> like the, there's certain events maybe dad can skip then. Yes, now yeah. I can skip because I'm at everything else. Before yeah. I couldn't skip anything because I wasn't at anything. <laughs> now I get to, you know, I can pick and choose what I, what I don't want to go to. Yeah. Aaron, how about like your job is obviously one that uh, garners tons of scrutiny and attention, right? How Ooh. do you... Because you're a very, we actually talked about this on the field uh, at one game I was doing this year, how you have this very, I think, um, just like great, even keel demeanor where I rarely can tell that you're getting upset at something, even if you're being kind of, you know, questioned harshly or whatever. I, I can't think of many times where I'm like, oh, he's, you know, Booney sounds pissed. Like you do a pretty good job, which I guess is part of the job, but you do a pretty good job of, of, maintaining that sort of calm presence how how do you do it i mean I, I, when you're in a job like this as manager of the new york yankees like what are your personal keys for not losing your crap when someone's coming after you <laughs> um I, you know I, I i tune a lot of it out you know which i think you have to do uh being here um i think you part i think you have to and, and look i've always said it can look a lot of different ways you don't have to be a certain way like your personality and is what it is, but you got to know that you're walking into the lion's den a little bit and that everything is going to be scrutinized fairly, unfairly, everything across the board. And if you can't handle that or you're not, you don't have the makeup that's cut out for that, then, then you, you can't handle it or you, mm -hmm. you're not going to do it. And I think you walk into this knowing that that's part of it. And, and you're going to have to take some slings and arrows every now and then. Um, but, you know, I'm human, so there's different things that ruffle my feathers or that yeah. I hear. Maybe I think that's wrong or that's unjust or whatever. Um, but for the most part, I understand that that's part of the gig, man. You, you just yeah. you, and especially here, like, you know, and even to having conversations with you know, players, my players now, like, and, and especially I think the influence that social media is now, you know, you, you get so much of the, you, you can find whatever you want. You can find whatever echo chamber, whatever point of view you want, and you can feed yourself with positive. You can feed yourself with negative and, and a lot of it's poisonous and you got to mm -hmm. be able, especially I think if you're going to thrive here playing in New York, playing for the Yankees. That's what I was going to, I want to ask you because you played here before there was social media, you know what I yeah. mean? But, and it was, it's still a tough place to play. Do you think it's tougher now with all the social media and all the, the access people have to you? Or was it the same, even while you played here with, I mean, it's still the, the same media and same amount of people in the clubhouse every day. Yeah. Um, it's hard to say, you know, I mean, the last couple of years with COVID, you know, there's been, you've had more privacy as a player, you know, mm -hmm. We haven't had people in our clubhouse all the time. So there's that, but you know, social media has become such this monster and I don't I'm not saying that necessarily in a good or bad way, but it's become so big that, you know, the, the old cliche of, 
you know, this guy in his basement is, gets to have an opinion now. Like that's real. And, yeah. and does have that opinion. And that becomes, and if you fan those flames or, or take and run with that, that becomes a storyline and that can leak in. So um, I think it may be a little tougher now. I'm not, I'm not sure of that um, because I think, you know, there were, there were times here where, you know, the daily cutthroat media where, where the print media was uber competitive and, you know, there were some, I know some tough days here where you had some dudes <laughs> following you that were after you. Um, you know, I think sometimes that can be a little more fair now, but the scope of everything now, and because, you know, we're on our phones all the time, right. And players, you know, I'll, I'll see our players, they come in right after the game, we're doing our belt ceremony They're you know, they're on their phone like this, so ready to read every and any comment. So you know, it's definitely something that we talk about and and is a challenge and especially playing here in this in this fishbowl that you're in here in New York. I mean, even even just in my little I mean, my little, I mean, my 11 years, but the short time that I played there when it wasn't yeah. in social media, it was easy just to walk by the newspaper. You know what I'm saying? Or, or turn off the TV. But when that when that shit's on your phone and that's the first thing you look at every day right after the game. Like it's hard not to read that shit. So it, it's got to be a little a little tougher now with the social media aspect. You you got to be disciplined to it. So I'll tell you, as you might imagine, like I don't look at my mentions on my Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> like four, and that's like I don't do that. So I, when I'm on Twitter, I'm just getting news, right? Yeah. Or following whatever I'm following, right? Um, and I'm gonna get what I need, but man, you start looking at those mentions and, and you can look at them good or bad and, mm -hmm. and it can get you in trouble both ways, man. Like one of the things that, you know, one of the things that's been cool to see for me has been um, Giancarlo to see his evolution as a player here, just how he's learned how to navigate all this. Cause he, he obviously comes in as an MVP. He comes in making a lot of money, a lot of, but he, you know, he's been the, uh, he's drawn the ire of the fan pretty early and often, you know, he, he, he could have a homer and a double and take a funky swing on strike two and they're ready to give it to him here. He's been a great example of watching him navigate this, watching him learn how to, um, you know, survive and now really thrive in here in, in this environment because he's. He's just developed a, a really strong routine and a process that he goes through that, man, he's when he steps between those lines, it's about his performance and he has the confidence in how he's prepared to, to go out there and, and be successful and not be swayed by a adoring fan or a fan that wants to give it to him. He understands that, you know, you gotta you gotta thrive regardless and, and he's been a really cool example to see and, and hopefully and he's starting to become a leader a little bit in that way in our room yeah that's what i was going to ask you aaron is there are there things that he has done in his process that he is now preaching to other guys there he is he is and um he is you know he's not he's obviously as you guys know he's not a real vocal guy you right. know he's He's even a little shy and, 
Um, but he's he started to step up from a vocal standpoint, and I think it's just because he's been through so much in as a Yankee already in, in four years, you know, and he's 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 really learned how to thrive here. And and I've 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 really developed a great amount of respect for him, seeing him go through all this, navigate it, and now start to really try and voice it to some of his teammates. And you know what? I think you saw it manifested in when we played the Mets. Mm-hmm. Remember when he went around, he got mm-hmm. on Lindor? Yeah. He would have never did that. No. And I think part of it was him saying, you think you've had it rough? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Save it. I think he was kind of saying to him, like, you got to have broad shoulders to play here, especially yeah. when, you're, when you're a dude, you know, when you're a guy. Yeah. And you've got to be able to handle a lot and, and to see him learn how to do that and really use it as I, I think now a positive um, has been fun to witness. Showing up in New York as a guy is hard yeah. to do, bro. Like yeah. no matter who you are, like w- when you come with credentials and you come to the Yankees, they expect you to, to lay that all out for them in the Bronx too. You know what I'm saying? Right yeah. away, game one. Um, so yeah, him being able to navigate that just, you know, him having putting up good numbers and putting up good years, guys are gonna go to him just just they're gonna gravitate towards him. Now, you know what I'm saying, in that clubhouse, just because he's been through the fire, like you said, and so much in the last four years, they just just naturally he's been, gonna become a leader and everybody's gonna look to him because he's been through all the tough shit. It's easy to put, to play a Yankee, to be a Yankee when everybody loves you. But when you're yep. going through the tough shit, like how what A-Rod had to go through and with with Big G's going through or went through. Then guys really want to know how you're doing it. You know what I'm saying, and that's how you become a big leader in the clubhouse. And and that's as you know, see, I mean, you know, you're going to the Hall of Fame. You can have great success in this game, but as I always say, like adversity's coming for you, man. And every season, it's coming for you. I don't care how good of a season you have, and how you deal with that and handle that. Ultimately determines what your ceiling's going to be, you know, how much better you're going to continue to get. But I also think people are always, you know, whether it's intently or even subconsciously watching how you handle those kind of things. And I think that's where you, that's really where you earn the respect of, of the people around you and your teammates. Well, this is why I, I, I've said on this pod before, Aaron, I don't ever want to hear the slightest faint of a boo for John Carlos Stanton ever again from the Yankee fans because this guy has become, he, he's become the most ridiculously clutch performer. The, the way he performed in big spots for you guys down yeah. the stretch, it, it was absurd. I mean, it was like he, he literally would step in the box and you just expected him to hit a home run and he... He essentially was like, think about even yeah. the game, even the loss to the Red Sox, right? Like his at bats were ridiculous in that game. Well, Ryan, it goes back further than that too, because the thing that he's dealt with before this year, and 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 it was cool to see him be able to go out there and stay mostly healthy. You know, I had yeah. a three on the DL, but but otherwise he was healthy most of the year. You know, even going back to last year and the year before, like. When he was healthy, he was playing really well. He just missed so much time. Think about the playoffs in 2020 yeah. against the in the Indians and the, the, the Rays. I mean, for two like the two best pitching staffs in the playoffs probably that year, and he dominated. And 
you know, I think sometimes you, we look at Giancarlo because even when he's going really well, like, you know, he, he might have a couple homers, a couple big homers, but he's still going to take that messed up swing for yeah. strike two. <laughs> that, like that never played before. And you're like, what the hell was that? Yeah. And, and that, so it, it makes you think that he's struggling sometimes when maybe he's not always, he's just that he's the most different player I've ever seen. Yeah. He, he's, I call him a unicorn because, you know, Mark, Marcus Timms and I would look at, uh, we look at each other almost every game, just catch eye contact because he's going to do something that you've never seen, whether it's hitting the ball 120 as a two iron somewhere, or like getting jammed so bad that half his bat ends up on the back screen. Like he just <laughs> does things you ever see on a baseball field. It's the weirdest thing facing him too, because I, I faced him, you know, in, in inner squads or whatever early when he first came. He starts so late. Like when yeah. you let the ball go as a pitcher, you're like, it ain't, he's not swinging. But he starts so late, like later than anybody I've ever seen. Like yeah. he still can get the barrel on the ball. It's so weird, man. Like you said, it's, he does stuff that I've never seen people do. It's crazy. Yeah. yeah. He's, he's very disciplined to like his plan. And, and one of the things we've, we've seen with him, and we kind of knew this early on, and the more he sees somebody, more so than almost any other player, like he, he processes what he, his experiences really well, but he's really good at sticking to his plan and what his thought process is going up there. And sometimes it can look a little off, but when he's right, man, it's really special. No, Aaron, I wanted to ask you, sort of in the same vein of, of kind of navigating New York, controlling what you can control. There's these two perceptions that I think get brought up a lot. One is specific to you. One is specific to your position. And I think they both probably can be easily debunked by someone who's in the know. Uh, mm -hmm. But that's not necessarily everyone who has a microphone or a pen or, you know, just an opinion. So one is that, oh, Aaron's too laid back. He needs to light a fire under. I know you hear this. He needs to light mm -hmm. a fire under these guys' ass. And, and you know, I, I'll hear, no, no, you know, Booney's gets after us he just does in the clubhouse not doing it in the media to us you know um and then the other is like oh the 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 front office they write the lineup they dictate everything it's all analytics driven like aaron doesn't have a, aaron doesn't have a say he doesn't have a say and and i know you've been asked about this before but these are these are two perceptions that are out there right that either affect you or your job for the first one i'm wondering like is there ever a part of you that wants to say, like, put a camera inside the clubhouse? Like, this is what's actually going on. How do you maintain the discipline to say, you know, uh, well, I'm still going to just do my job and not worry about people having this perception of me, even if I know it's not true? Look, I think you got to have that discipline to, to have this job, to do this job. You can't get caught up in those things are going to be said about you anyway look, there's difficult conversations that have to be had. Sometimes they're in the room with, with the group. Sometimes it's one-on-one -on -one and they're, you know, in my office or whatever. So those things happen. Um, I would say overall, I'm probably a little more positive out front and certainly in the media. And I think part of that is I always look, playing here is different. Playing here, there's a handful of places that it's different here where as New York and playing for the Yankees, 
there's there is an extra pressure that comes with that. And I understand that from a player standpoint. And this place is going to hold you accountable. You don't need me more so than if I was, say, somewhere else, you know, Kansas City, Pitt, whatever it may be, where maybe you, you probably would publicly hold people a little more to account. New York's going to handle that for you. So I think one of my jobs is to make this, and you know, this goes back to when Cece was here, one of the things that's really important that we work really hard is this place, I want it to be a place that you want to come, okay? This should be a place that you feel comfortable, safe, no matter what's going on in your season. You're having the best season of your career. You're struggling. You're going through something away from the field. Hopefully, you, you look forward to walking through those doors. And we work hard to create that environment. Look, that doesn't mean inevitably you're not going to, you know, we're going to get, you know, you're, we're going to yell and scream sometimes in there. We're going to yell and scream sometimes in my office. But overall, we work hard to this being an environment that you want to come. And part of that is New York. Um, so, and then I am who I am. Like, I'm not, and I think that's important. Like, and there's, it. I go back to, it can look a lot of different ways. I think it's important, though, that your players, your coaches, your staff see you as authentic, right? Yeah. I'm who yeah. I am. And if I'm going to be somebody else that I'm not, players have a really are really good at seeing through that. And, you know, I, I try and create a very consistent environment and hopefully whether a player and, and you're going to run run through times where a player or a coach is upset with me or disagrees with the decision I've had to make or whatever. But hopefully they know when they walk in the doors that they're going to get somebody that's very consistent from who, if they walk in the store, they know who they're walking in to talk to. And, and I mean, that's a hundred percent. Like players can see right through that a, a, a thousand percent. So, you know, from outside noise coming in saying that, Oh, he needs to light a fire. And then you see him getting at somebody in the dugout. Then we're all like, Oh, that's bullshit. Like that's fake. You know what I'm saying? Like we all know Booney. Like if Booney wanted to talk to you for real, it'd be, in private it wouldn't be you know what i'm saying like like he said like in, in new york is so hard to play like you don't need the extra pressures of the guys that are around you every day to get on you like you've never you never heard me one time say oh you know this guy needs to do this better or this guy needs like call better signs no like we're all in this together we understand how hard this is so we don't need get to get on each other like if, if there's something that we need to say to each other privately then that's for us you know what i'm saying like this place is 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 everybody's so much into what we have going on that you have to keep some things private. And I think that's where a lot of people would get on Jeet all the time. Well, oh, he don't say nothing vocally. He don't say nothing this and that. Well, the, the fuck he didn't, he'll go talk to you right in, in front of your locker every day if he needed to. You know what I'm saying? He just didn't do it for the media or for anybody else to see. And I think that's, you know, perfectly what, what Booney's has done and what he's doing, you know, as the manager. That was the example I was thinking of. Actually, see, was was Derek because that was yeah. always a, a criticism of his a, as captain, and and that's exactly what his team. But it was well, completely false, it. though. Yeah, it was exactly. completely false, right? Because exactly. he would address everything, because everything, right? <laughs> right. Just ask Nick Swisher. <laughs> Just ask anybody. <laughs> shit. So, Aaron, the and the other thing I brought up, hey, the lineup. How would you describe the process? 
of the way you, the front office, collaborate, come up uh, with a lineup on a day-to-day for as much as you're willing to share and dispel perceptions about this? So no one's never ever made a lineup for me. Um, <laughs> I'm the lineup, okay. Now, my process for making the lineup actually is a little bit different all the time. Like there's an, the ebb and flow of the season. You know, let, let's let's assume everyone's healthy and, and and we're not going to bed that night with. Uh, uh, we're waiting to find out if this guy's available tomorrow. So if our guys are available. A lot of times, you know, I'll, I'll buzz by my coaches the night before going home where we may have a thought, you know, a lot of times it's usually with Mendy where I'll just be like, eh, what do you think about this guy in tomorrow? And we'll kind of bounce things off. You know, when Marcus was here, sometimes I'd say, Hey, what do you think of this guy in tomorrow, this guy out? What do you think about flipping these guys in the lineup? So that's usually how it starts. And then when I come in that day, um, usually I'll, I'll come into my office and, and Mendy will follow me in and we'll kind of go through our, you know, different things. If there's a little tweak that we want to make, sometimes I may reach out to like, I've even done this with, with cash and cash is not, not usually very much involved at all in like lineup or he'll just, Who's playing today or who we got today? Right. But sometimes, you know, if I have a tough decision that I'm really wrestling with, I may call cash on it. I may call Mendy on my way home. I may call Marcus Timms when he was here on my way home. Like when there's that tough decision I have when I'm thinking about, you know, a different guy in tomorrow or sitting a guy for a day when um, I may go to different people and ask their opinion on it. And then ultimately I got to decide which way I want to go. Um you know, we have a very strong analytics department that gives us so much information that we kind of, you know, helps us, you know, helps us make decisions, helps us, gives context on what we're seeing, what we're looking at. Um, and I think the reality is any of the really strong franchises are very strong analytically. And, but ultimately the teams that do it the best are able to, the, the, the secret sauce is how do you strike the balance? Because, you know, every day is unique among, uh, amongst itself, especially in a big league season where you're playing 162 games. So you've got to be able to strike the balance. But, um, you know, as, as cash puts it, we want to have a buffet of everything available to us so that we can make really good decisions. And I think, I think we do that here, even though we get criticized about it a lot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Go ahead. No, no, go see. No, no, no. I was just gonna say yeah. you get criticized for anything you do here, so it don't matter. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Unless we're holding that trophy at the end, you know. <laughs> it, it, it's true. Thing, you know, and, and that and that goes for a lot of different teams and markets. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, every because the game has changed a lot and because it's it looks different, you know, even the last five, ten years, you know, we go through the playoffs and you see a lot more relievers used, a lot mm-hmm. more. So at the end, there's one winner, right? One winner did it right. And yeah. a lot of times they did it similar to a lot of the teams in the playoffs. It just worked for them. And for everyone else, it didn't work. And, and that's not necessarily the case. Like it comes down to, you know, ultimately 
who are the best players and the best teams and clicking at that right time that hoist the trophy at the end. And, and you know, you're looking at this year, it, uh, it boiled down to Atlanta having one more starter than Houston did. That's all it was. They both yeah. used bullpen days. They both used bullpen days in the World Series. But game yeah. six, they had Max Free. You know what I'm saying? They, they literally just had one more starter than Houston yep. did. And it was, and they were, and that was the difference. That was the difference. And Max Freed pitched like that's Max Freed had struggled to that point in the in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. And then he pitched like we've seen that dude pitch against us the last couple of years. Like, man, he looks like he's 12 years old out there, but that dude's pretty nasty. <laughs> <laughs> Aaron, there's so many different angles to go with the analytics stuff, but I want to obviously not waste too much of your time and get into some other things. Um, how about just looking at the roster? Speaking of that, what are mm-hmm. what are the areas of need where you're like, hey, like I, we definitely need an injection of this. We definitely need this. Like I know, I mean, I know you have to be careful with specific people and everything like that, but what are the things that you know sitting here right now? Like, yeah, th- this is something we're going to have to do. Right, well, we're going to need a shortstop. I mean, yeah. I think that. So, however we get there, that's going to be the interesting thing of the of the off season because I think one move we make, you know, sets off the dominoes, right? Like, do we look largely similar to what we've looked like the last year, or is there a blockbuster trade or a signing that all of a sudden now moves this guy out? trades this guy and then that starts affecting everything else so until we make a big significant move or splash it's hard to know where we're going as an offseason we know we got to make some tweaks um you know again we like this year i know was viewed as negatively obviously because of our ups and downs and the struggles that it was and obviously the early exit from the playoffs so we're all kind of like pulling our hair out, but it's also important that, you know, we, we won over 90 games in a really, really competitive division. And so it's about making the right tweaks and the right changes, as opposed to just turning it all over, because there were a lot of success stories this year. Like our pitching staff overall was really strong this year, like starters, ERA, relief pitchers ERA we saw really people coming of age like Jonathan Wiseaga becoming like a stud in the bullpen you know the biggest challenge for us this year was you know we when it comes right down to it we didn't we didn't hit the way we have in the past several years we are down a little bit offensively night in and night out for whatever reason you know guys have some guys having a down year an injury here whatever it may be so um Hopefully that corrects itself a little bit on its own, but I think it is going to be important for us to add the right pieces to that allow us to ultimately, we're trying to get over that hump, man, you know, and um, sometimes it's, it's the right move and not necessarily the amount of moves, but I think the next move is going to affect where we go from here and, and, and the dominoes start falling from there. Am I wrong to think that I, I feel like you guys, and maybe it comes in shortstop, but I felt for a while like you guys need an injection of athleticism. Like yeah. I, I, I need to see some more live bodies that, I, that would accentuate, I think, some of the strengths of the other guys on the team. Does that feel fair? Yeah, and I think, I think because, because offensively we were down a little bit this year or had some 
had a little bit of a downturn, I guess. Yeah. Now, sudden, when we're not hitting the ball out of the ballpark or scoring as many runs as we're nor- normally accustomed to, when you see, you know, some of that lack of athleticism through those stretches, it, it just kind of highlights it, shines a light on it. So there were times this year where, you know, we, out of me, we had, we had some more athleticism in there. You know, we had some more athleticism on the bench, especially later in the year that um, I think was a factor in helping us win games. So I think one of the goals certainly heading into this offseason and, and as it unfolds, is hopefully we do get a little more athletic um, in some of the moves that we make and, and just makes us a little bit more well-rounded. Like, you know, I always hear, you know, a lot of times too, not, not necessarily this year, but in years where we fall, where we're, ultimately where we end right we've had great offenses but it's like well we swing and miss too much or this and that it's like that's usually hasn't been the case like in 2020 in the postseason going up against cleveland and tampa like offense wasn't the problem we we scored plenty of runs against the best pitching staffs in the league it's just you look at sometimes the champion that's like what you're shooting for you're trying to become this quote unquote, perfect team or perfect, more better offense. So where we have these shortcomings, um, I think sometimes people just think you push a button and well, just make more contact or put the ball more in play. Well, the team that was doing that's the world champion because they were a cut above of us that year, which we're all working to be this more perfect union, right? This more perfect team. So and it's hard to get that. And there's 29 other teams trying to, trying to get. What see for your, from your experience with when it comes to, I mean, obviously every championship team has got to have talent, right? We know this. Um, Star with you see what, from your experience, what is, what's the most important factors of a clubhouse makeup on the best teams you've been on? Um, I mean, I think it, it just starts early. Um, in spring training and, and just a, a, a bunch of guys that want to pull for each other and have fun, um, you know, and, and that are all pulling the, the rope the same way. So that's hard. Like when when you have good clubhouse chemistry, you don't really notice it. But when you don't have it, you you really notice when you don't have it. You know what I'm saying? Like when, when you're in a good clubhouse, it's just like, oh, this is how it's supposed to be. When you're in a bad clubhouse or when you don't have any chemistry, you're like, holy shit, this this sucks every day. You know what I'm saying? So it's it's weird and it and it changes from year to year. So um, but for me, it's just trying to trying to trying to gel and mesh as early as we can in, in, in spring training and you know, get and get guys hanging out away from the park together, you know, to, to get a better understanding of each other and their families and where guys come from. And it helps you just be a better teammate when you get out there and and, and wanna you know, you're trying to win a championship together. And and I think that's another one of those things too, that can look a lot of different ways, right? Sometimes, sometimes it's everyone gets along and loves each other. And sometimes it's, you guys kind of get after each other a little bit, but there's still like that closeness. Right. Um, and it does. So I, I, and I do think when guys are spending time, um, talking the game, outside the game, spending time with each other. That's a really good thing. And I really do feel like is, 
you know, one of the challenges the last two years with COVID and, and just all the different things we've been dealing with, like that's been a little bit more of a challenge to just have normal, easy environment to naturally um, create that camaraderie. I do feel like in the second half of this season, um, I do feel like that started to happen more with this group where they started to, to get closer and started to hold each other to account more in more and in a better way. Um, and I think that happened really well for us in the second half because we're up and partly because we're up against it a little bit. We, we knew we had, we dug ourselves a hole and like the whole second half of the season, like every game felt like must win, you know, and 62 game season. That's, that's a little bit unique, but that's where we were. And I think, I think the guys responded to that in the right kind of way. And hopefully is something that allows us to, to grow as a group moving forward. And I think, I think a guy like Sevy can help too, you know, Sevy being back all year and being able to bounce around the clubhouse and, you know, move from different sectors. Like he, he's, he's, you know, close with everybody. So I think, you know, a guy like him can help, you know, bring the clubhouse closer too, for sure. I, I agree. And, you know, you know, Sevy was out for so long to get him back at the end of the season. And to, to like, it was cool to see his hunger and coming back. And obviously he only came back in the bullpen for us, but like he was popping in every day, like, give me the ball. And it was fun to see him. Like he wanted to be in the biggest moments and, and kind of thrived in those moments, which was really good to see. And I think was really good for him to come back in that way. And hopefully gives him a little bit of a head start going into next year where obviously he'll be a starter for us. Aaron, is there one guy, and I know you're not going to be able to say the actual guy, but Mm -hmm. is there one guy above everyone else, whether via trade or free agency that you're like, ah, that's the guy I want. (laughs) There is. Okay. So that's everybody, bro. No, no, no. So, So I want so, so when you guys get Matt Olson, no, I'm just kidding. No, so when, <laughs> so if you guys get this guy, whoever it is, okay, then afterwards you'll tell us like, all right, that was the guy, all right. With you, you, if you, if you land your fish, yes, on episode five, we'll yes, exactly, exactly, exactly. We'll do that. Uh, I like yeah. it. Just a couple more real quick ones for you, minor league wise. Who's one or two guys who you're looking at? And you're saying. You know, I cannot wait to see this guy. Like, I'm a big believer. You know, they're going to make an impact soon, whether it's 2022 or 2023. Um, I'll give a few guys. I mean, the first two that come to mind are Peraza and Volpe. You know, I, I think they're legit middle infield, like, playing the league for a long time as as impact players. Like, and they're, wow. you know, Peraza got to AAA last year, got his feet wet there. Um, you know, Volpe was in a couple levels of a ball, um, and, and went off and I think they're both going to be really, really good players. Um, let's see. I thought it was really cool to see what Luis Hill did this year. You know, like, you know, he wasn't even really on the radar that much, certainly to be in the big leagues this year, but to see him come up and, and kind of pitch the way he did have the kind of minor league season. Um, that he was able to put together. Um, that's exciting. A guy that really um, 
kind of really, I think in a lot of ways, turned his career around and was at a little bit of a crossroads, even though he's still fairly young, was Albert Abreu. Mm. Even though he was on the 40-man, honestly, the first half of the season was not on the, like, we didn't look at him as like, this guy's going to be a contributor or we can count on this guy during the year. He got forced in a little bit because of need and some guys being hurt and injured. And man, he, he, he got so much better this year and, you know, pitched in a lot of meaningful games and some big spots. I remember one game, you know, where, which kind of skewed his overall numbers. He got, he got crushed in Tampa one game, gave up a ton of runs. And like, you're like, how's he going to respond to this? And his next time out a few days later was like awesome again. And we threw him into some difficult situations where you know, he, he was our guy we had to go to and he delivered, he wanted the ball. Um, so it was fun to see him go from really in my mind, not even much of a thought of impacting our club to really being a guy that I'm now excited about. All right. My last one for you, Yanks wise off season, Aaron, I- I'm just wondering, like a lot of people wonder, will Aaron judge get a big extension, right? If not, he'll be a free agent at the end of this year. If he is going to, if you know, the Yankees typically, and there have been some exceptions in recent years, but typically wait till the offseason of the free agency year, right? Mm-hmm. If he doesn't get the big extension, how do you think that affects him this year if he's going into it knowing he's going to be a free agent at the end of the season? Well, I don't think it'll affect him because he's such a pro. Now, now you could argue that an extension somehow, you know, takes him to another level, maybe as, as a leader, obviously the face of this team. I think for me, what's been cool to see about Aaron over the last couple of years, and then even this year and over the last half of the season is I do feel like he's really coming into his own as a really good leader on this team where starting to really drag guys along, hold guys to account. Um, you know, he's, he's tough. He plays through things. Um, but I think he's really finding his voice as a leader of this team. And that's been a process over these last few years. He's obviously been our best player and, and probably the face of our team, but I've really enjoyed seeing, I talked about Giancarlo earlier, but Aaron's that guy that is the, the, the leader of this team and the voice of this team. And, and it's been fun to witness him evolve in that role. And I think really mature over this last year and the second half of the season. And even some of the things he's doing this winter already, as far as engaging coaches, and players, and um, he's, and obviously coming off a great season, but he's becoming that really complete package. I think now as his leadership, leadership matures. And I, Aaron, I, we, we can't let you go without asking you about your Sixers. Uh, C, by the way, he, he's left my nets. He's now back oh, yeah, to the back Warriors. With the Warriors, guys. He's back with the Warriors. Of course he is. Of course he is. <laughs> <laughs> We're in first place, too, guys. <laughs> so your guys' teams will play against each other. <laughs> they're Chan MVP at Barclays. So yeah, they were. Curry, man. That's, that, hey, that, that's, that's Chan MVP everywhere right now for Curry. Yeesh. That's an easy move for me, Kaz. When they start cheering MVP in a place that I'm supposed to be the fan, like, no, I'm oh, going back to the Warriors. So, so I, I got to ask you, though, Aaron, would you, if you were the Sixers and 
a Simmons for Kyrie deal was on the table, would you want that if you were the Sixers? Hell no. You wouldn't if you were the Sixers? No, because he ain't playing basketball. Cause I think he, he, he can live. He could live where he's currently living and play for Jersey. That's the one team he could play for. I play for Philly. And play for it's the Philly. one team he could play for. No. Right? You take it. <laughs> we could win. Exactly. Exactly. If you had Kyrie Irving with Embiid, with Embiid. Yeah, all no, of a sudden good. that team can win a championship. Absolutely. But he he's not playing basketball right now, cuz so <laughs> you know what though? Someone needs to so, someone someone needs to grab Simmons. Yeah, I, I mean I, it, I'm a he's he's underrated at this point. Like he's been dogged so much he's underrated. Right. And he's young and he's I just think he goes to the right place and and does does start to get some semblance of a shot in the right market. And I think he I think he changes a team. I'm not mad at that. I mean he's good. I just I don't know. Like I don't know if it can he's got the yips at this point for me. The, you the, know playoffs, what I'm last, <laughs> the playoffs last year was when he alarming didn't take that layup shot. Yeah. Like it was like, oh my, it was like, come on, dude. Yeah, it's the yips, bro. He's got the yips. I think like it's like it's a it's a thing up there now. I I, I agree, but he's just man. I just think I think the there's there's teams out there that I think would be smart to go go get him and even even give up a premium to get him because yeah. I think I think if he gets in the right situation, he's that great of a player potentially. I agree defensively in transition defensively and running the point and at some point he's got to develop if if he truly does want to develop it like at least a threat of a shot right yeah Yeah. i mean because we think so but but on the right team aaron i i don't even know if he definitely need it like for example if he was on brooklyn and you put him in the dunker spot and then you're having him push the pace a little bit he like all of a sudden he doesn't have to take Big shots, right? Like that's not something that you're ever asking to do. Shots, dude. Like last Play-ups? year, I, <laughs> game where he took his second shot from three pointer of the year. It was like the twentieth game. Like, yeah, <laughs> more than that. Though. That's true. That's true. Oh, that's true. I'm curious because whatever happens with Simmons or Kyrie could change the balance of power. And who wins this year? Because there's not a lot of separation between the top seven or eight teams as long as Kyrie is not playing. If Kyrie is playing, Brooklyn's a lot better than anybody else. But if he's not, they're in the mix. But so so are a lot of other teams. Yeah, I, I agree. It's yeah. I, I mean, I'm a little frustrated right now because because I do love the Sixers and I feel like man, if, if Simmons was who we want him to be, like they're this. They're this like championship caliber franchise. Absolutely. Yeah. These years. And it's like, I feel like it's going away and just like kind of becoming, we're wasting Embiid. And, yeah. you know, they got with Harris and Curry, these guys, they're like, like they're great. Like, I don't even want to say support players. Curry's more of support. Like, Tobias is like a great number three player. Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. If, if Simmons was who I feel like he could be, like, you got something. Yeah, you got something, yeah. cuz for real. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's, so it's true. Like, yeah, like 
man, to see him get COVID and them struggle on the road, it's like, damn. i know man well i'm gonna be thinking about both of you when i call warriors cc's uh return team that he roots for yeah uh, sixers wednesday funny funny you say that so i didn't watch them last night they played the kings and i was thinking whatever because i saw the the uh the ad for it on espn that that they're playing uh the warriors the last game of their road trip and my son last night asked me goes who do you think tonight because he was with his buddies, like his buddies saying the Kings were going to win. I'm like, that, I thought they were playing the Warriors last night. I was my back. Oh, hurt. yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, I'm like, oh, they ain't winning tonight. Not not that last game on the road, but maybe they'll they'll pull it off coming off a Kings win. It'll, uh, I, been, I, be, no I bet you, I bet you Wednesday's a really tight game. I bet you it's a really tight game. I I, I think it will be. Um, I hope now. Whether or not they win is different, but I bet you it's a tight game. How's Maxi? What do you think? I like him. Yeah, I I, I, I like too. him. Yeah, I, he, although I I think he's more of a really good sixth, seventh, eighth. Like, yeah, you know, he can come in and score a little bit, run the point, but probably leaves you a little something to be desired as like a championship point. Right. But you but you need those kind of guys, right? Like, no oh, you, yeah, yeah. You need guys who that's can break why, down the defense. Close. That's why they're so close to being really good. Is yeah. Because, yeah. Because they have the maxis and shake Milton's and, yeah. uh, greens and stuff that could, that create that, that would give them really good championship depth. See, this is why, this is why if I was them, I would roll the dice on the Kyrie thing. The if, Kyrie if that trade. was on ta- the table, because, I really believe the only thing they're missing is their number two guy and him having a little killer in him. They literally have everything else you could possibly want on that team. Even Drummond yes. as a backup center is perfect yes. for, for that team. Like they, they've got, and, and Maxi and the way he's developed has replaced kind of what they needed off the bench. Even uh, uh, Furkan has played well for them. You know, Korkmaz, they're only missing that dude, which Simmons could be that dude, but if he's not going to be, then if I'm them, see, I just don't think in the NBA you can punt on the chance of a championship when you're I, knocking hey, on the door. That mark, other marquee player away from being right in the mix with the couple of best teams. Yes, they are. They and are. it should be Simmons, but obviously it's not right now, so let's go. Yeah, let's go get <laughs> something. And meanwhile, CeCe's about to get Clay back, and then he'll really be in all his Warriors Clay stuff. and Wiseman. Oh, my we gosh. Good. They are... They're set up. Not I'm just going to year. I'm going to Knicks Lakers tonight, though. Oh, nice! You won't see little, LeBron James. Little Knicks Lakers. I didn't see him the last time when I was in Staples. So. Oh, okay. It is what it is. <laughs> well, Aaron. Uh, first of all, uh, want to wish you and your family a very happy Thanksgiving, um, and uh, a, hopefully a swift recovery for your back, so that you're able to thoroughly enjoy Thanksgiving, uh, mm-hmm. and. I can't wait for time number five when you let us know if the player you got was the one you were uh, having a number one on your wish list. Yeah. Awesome seeing you guys. Love coming on with you. And uh, yeah. And we got to talk about uh, what you're doing for us next year, C. Yeah, let me know. I'm in. As long as it don't mess up my golf game, I'm good. (laughs) Priorities. (laughs) Thank you, Aaron. All right. Thank you, guys. Happy Thanksgiving, man. See, you know what I love about Aaron? 
he's just as big a like fan as you are. You know, like you guys yeah. are true sports fans, not just like people who are in sports who happen to root for teams. Like, you know, you're throwing shit around the house when the Raiders lose. He's like that with the Sixers, with the Eagles. No doubt. And that may be how we got so close. Is like when mm. we played together, um, just understanding how much of a big sports fan that he was. Obviously, we had like I knew his dad before I knew him. But when we played together, we would always, that's all we talked about was the, the Sixers, the Eagles, the Raiders, the Lakers at the time because I was a Lakers fan. Um, but, yeah, I mean, he's a huge sports fan. He watches everything. So he's just hes just like us. Like, he'll, I'll get a text from him. Like, matter of fact, the other day when I was at the Eagles game, Eagles-Raiders game, they, the Eagles score first. He sent me a text of, like, all this Eagles shit. And then he wouldn't respond to my text after the Raiders fucking, like, scored 34 points straight. So, yeah, no, he watches everything, man. It's it's fun to be able to, you know, that to, you know, have a have a friend in the game that is a, as a biggest fan as you. I think me, him, and maybe Tommy Canely is the biggest sports fan I've yeah. ever met. But I think we're right behind him. It's great talking with Aaron, and I hope uh, our audience enjoyed some of the insight he gave on you know, the machinations, the inner workings. I'm going to guess that his player he desires most, I'm going to guess that it's Matt Olson, just because that's who I think I desire most. Although yeah. I love Rizzo, too, so it's kind of like a win-win. But nah, I don't. I think, uh, I think for me, I think it would be either Seager or Story. Okay, gotcha. Would you be think his it'd be guy. one of the shortstops. I think see, it'd that, be one of the shortstops. See, this is why it's good, because we don't know. We're guessing. Uh, we're not being coy with the audience. We actually don't know. And then if no, we no, I, get the player, then he can come on and tell us, yes, this was the guy. But for me, I think I think he was more... This is just me talking. Like, yeah, I don't... This is not with knowledge. This, yeah. I haven't talked to him about this or anything. I think it was more stressful not having a shortstop all year and yeah. being able to... You can figure out first base. You know what I'm yeah. saying? So not having a shortstop, I think, is a bigger is a bigger hole than trying to fill it with Matt Olson right now. Well, we look forward to seeing how the offseason develops. We will be back next week. Um, and everybody have a safe, healthy, happy Thanksgiving. See, you enjoy Auntie Glow's dressing there. Yes, sir. You too. Enjoy the stuffing. Thank you, man. <laughs> Big thanks to our producers, Bobby Wagner and Sadie Zillow, always holding it down for the R2C2 team. Happy Thanksgiving, everybody. Peace.